Welcome to St James, a Scottish Episcopal Church in Leith. This podcast features edited highlights from our Sunday morning service held on March 19th, 2023. If you would like to subscribe using your podcatcher of choice, the details of the feed are now on the communal worship page of our website. To find out how to join us and for more general information, please visit www.stjamesleith.org.uk. everyone and a very warm welcome to our service this morning to friends old and new those of us in the building and those of us who are at home you're all very welcome here now today is a day with not one not two but not even three but five titles five things to celebrate the first one is that it's Later Sunday, and that's Latin for rejoice, because we are midway through the Lenten season, and signs of joy are allowed. <laughs> and this is expressing our belief in the hope of the resurrection and to inspire us as we continue to observe Lent. And it's also known as Rose Sunday, and that's where I'm wearing this pink stole today um, because it's a, again it's a change of color from the purple to the rose which represents a glimpse of the joy that's coming at Easter and it's also refreshment Sunday because it means you can take a short break from your Lenten fast today so if you've given up chocolate you can have one square today <laughs> It's also Lent 4, of course, but it's also Mothering Sunday, the day when families visited, traditionally visited, the Mother Church where they were baptised or made offerings to the cathedral or the abbey. And it was also a day when those children and young people who worked as apprentices in service would get the one day off a year to go and visit their families and they would often pick flowers on their way home to give to their mothers. But Mothering Sunday is also gives us a chance to take time to ponder the mothering nature of God. And Judith's going to share a reflection on that theme of mothering God a little bit later. So, Let's take a moment of silence to clear our minds and to prepare ourselves for worship. And I'm going to light a candle here in church and at home if you have one. And then we're going to listen to our singing bowl and then we will begin. We join together in our opening song.
come home to yourself and to each other. May that all, it, all that is unfree in you and between any of us be released. And may you and we blossom into a future graced with love. Amen. going to sing the the first well we're going to sing alternate verses with Naomi leading us thank you <laughs> Oh 
Glory to God, source of all being, eternal word and Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be forever. Amen. Gospel reading is taken from John chapter 9, verses 1 to 34. Glory to Christ our Saviour. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus spread mud, made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked him, 
Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins and you are trying to teach us and they drove him out. This is the gospel, good news for all. Father, we come to you this morning asking that you would speak to the heart of each one of us here today. And I also pray that uh, whatever I say that perhaps might have, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I just leave it with you, Lord, and ask for um, that you'll help wherever I say something that might offend or upset. Amen. Morning, everybody. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to talk about healing, even though this passage we've just read would be perfect to speak about because the subject we're, speaking, we're, we're studying at the moment in our reflection, it, sorry, in our Lent courses is about healing. But I'm going to talk about the fact that today is Mothering Sunday, or what we, is now called across the globe as Mother's Day. It's, it's in May, apparently, in America, but here we, we celebrate it right in the middle of Lent. It's the day when we're supposed to send a card, aren't we, or flowers to our mother to reassure her that we love her. And I suppose there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but as Joe has already said, it was never meant to be a day about mothers. It was always meant to be the day halfway through Lent when you returned to the church where you were first baptised, to your mother church. And then you went on, as Joe has said, to a family feast because it was a day off from fasting during Lent. So in fact, Mothering Sunday was a day to celebrate the day that each person was being born a second time into a new family, 
the family of God. And if you want to really understand about what the Bible, when, when Jesus talks about being born again, what, what it really means, then go back two Sundays and listen to the podcast, if you, didn't, if you weren't here, when Sally spoke to us about being born again. Thank you, Sally, for that. But I suppose it's not difficult to understand, is it, why this day has become a commercial roller coaster, making thousands for the greetings card industry alone. And don't mistake me, I'm not saying that we shouldn't think of our mothers. But as someone said to me this week, after Pal's wonderful prayers last Sunday, when he prayed for all women, because it was the Sunday following the International uh, Women's Day, perhaps that day should be more thought of as a day to celebrate in church rather than Mother's Day. A day when we think of all women, especially women around the world who live in regimes where they're seen as less than human. A day when we pray for all women who are struggling because of the simple fact that they're women. But what I want to think about today is that love that perhaps could be described as a mother's love, even though, of course, it isn't gendered, but is a love that seems to touch us at our very deepest need, a love that is totally giving, a love that never gives up, a love which we, at one time we were deeply connected, as if by an umbilical cord, but from which we seem to have somehow become separated. So Jeffrey and I have been watching a series on television. I won't tell you the name of the series, and I won't tell you the name even of the service provider, because I'm actually quite hesitant to recommend it, because it's a satirical look at the hollow lives of a crowd of very wealthy Americans, and at times it is utterly grotesque. But it has won some awards because of the brilliance of the writing. There is a character, a very rich woman, who has come to this resort in Hawaii. She has come, she says, to scatter her mother's ashes in the sea because she tells us that her mother's ashes, so, so her mother always loved the ocean. So she has a boat, but when the moment comes to empty the casket into the sea, she just can't do it. And in a brilliantly written monologue and superb piece of acting, through her tears and her utter despair, this character recounts how her mother was totally uncaring, suffered from borderline personality disorder, was emotionally unstable, and completely incapable of showing love. And yet, in spite of this, this woman clings for dear life to this casket. She's incapable of throwing away the last physical remains of her mother, it is an extraordinary performance, and to me it says everything about we as human beings long with all our hearts to find again that deep, unconditional, utterly encompassing, non-judgmental love. I suppose what might be called the ideal mother's love. A love that enfolds us and will never, never, never let us go. Whatever we do, <clears throat> whatever wrong pathways we have taken, and you find out later in the second series, because however grotesque it was, Jeffrey and I st stuck with it. <laughs> um, this woman inherited half a billion dollars from her father, who committed suicide when she was young. She had a terrible, loveless childhood, and yet this woman clings to her mother's ashes, desperate for the love that her mother could never 
and now will never give her. And I believe that our lives, we spend our lives searching for that love. Recently, Richard Raw, in, in, in his morning reflection, reminded us that the first thing we hear when we're safely tucked up in the womb is our mother's heartbeat. He talks about our lives being a pilgrimage or a journey to find again that heartbeat. And Augustine of Hippo wrote, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Families are complicated, aren't they? Both the passages today hint at the complexity of families. The passage from the book of Samuel reminds us how deeply you and I can be affected by where we come in a line of siblings. David is the youngest and therefore perhaps looked upon as the least important. He's out in the fields, absolutely no expectation that he might be chosen by God. But as the passage tells us, man looks at the outward appearance at stature and importance in the fam family hierarchy, but God looks at the heart. It is the youngest David who, it turns out, is chosen by God. I know of a family where the middle son was idolised by the mother, perhaps because he was incredibly good-looking when he was young, and in the end he escaped abroad to get away from his overclawing mother. But apparently, she is still incapable of seeing anything other than perfection in this son. And his siblings have always felt they were second best. Her favoritism affected not only the life of the favorite, but the life of his brothers too. And the second passage, the one we've read from John, hints at the complexities of being in a family. It isn't really surprising, is it? that in the past, superstitions might arise that disability is caused by something in the past history of a family. Families can be wonderful, of course they can, but sometimes some of us carry the weight of inherited mess. We might have a parent who was abused or abandoned as a child and therefore has been unable to give us, their child, a loving home. I know of a woman who lost her mother when she was four days old. Um, it was a long time ago and the mother um, uh, was on a, a, a ward and the whole of the ward was taken out with purple fever. It was before antibiotics. Sadly, this little baby was in, had a father who was incapable of giving her his love, the motherly love she so desperately needed. And there wasn't anybody else around at the time, no grandmother, no big brother, no uncle, no one to hold her when she cried. And so she grew up mentally damaged. And as sometimes happens, physically affected too, with imaginary illnesses that were her constant cry for help. And in this story of John, perhaps because of the fear of repercussions from the synagogue, the parents of the healed man, well, they seem to be so dismissive, don't they, about their son, who has just been given his sight, for goodness sake. It's impossible to know if the writer of the gospel intended to give the impression that they were uncaring. But when you read the words, we don't know, ask him, he's of age, seem to indicate they'd already washed their hands of him. Did they leave him on the streets to beg when they could have cared for him at home? He, we will never know, of course, but it rings true, doesn't it? 
There are sometimes situations when parents, and perhaps because of no fault of their own, have abandoned a child. To read again the, the, uh, the quote from Augustine of Hippo, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. However wonderful and loving a family, however much a mother might try to do everything and to be everything for her child, or the father to be the perfect father, a human parent can never feel that restlessness. And in this account, it's so interesting, Jesus uses spit and mud to make a poultice to put on the blind man's eyes. It's a really curious thing to do, isn't it? And yet it seems so significant, so physical. And we read of a similar healing in Mark, where Jesus puts his hands in a man's ears and spits and touches the man's tongue. And it is extraordinary, isn't it? When you think about the Jewish laws to do with washing and cleanliness and not touching anything that might contaminate you. Think of the story that Ian unpacked for us last week when Jesus asked the Samaritan woman, I mean a Samaritan woman at the well for a drink. Jesus reaches out to all of us. Whatever our ailment, whatever our need, he is intimately, physically and spiritually closer to us than even our own mother. And when he was on this earth, there was never any barrier between him and those he reached out to. His compassion was visceral and it was physical. A baby can't be cared for at arm's length. It needs physical touch. Jesus didn't pronounce healing from a distance. He made mud from his own spit and put it on the blind man's eyes. The writer of Psalm 139 saw, 139 saw this so clearly that our creator, our God, is closer to us and even more involved with us than our own earthly mother. As the psalmist says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So, first, I'd like to suggest that we don't idealize motherhood. It's a job, it's a privilege, but every single human mother since the beginning of time has made mistakes and failed in one way or another. Some of us might need to learn to forgive our mothers. If we'd had now a time of sharing, although some might tell of the deep love and respect they have for their mother, so many of us might confess to a complicated relationship with our mothers. And many of us who are mothers might confess to the guilt we feel when we acknowledge the mistakes we have made in bringing up our children. But perhaps, and this is the good news, the, our failures make sense of the words of Jesus at the beginning of this gospel reading when he's answering the question about why this man is blind. He says... Neither this man nor his parents sinned. This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his, in his life. However wonderful it is, the mother-child relationship can leave us blind. But the work of God is displayed in our lives and our eyes are opened. 
The love of an earthly mother can be wonderful, but in the end, it's just a very pale reflection of what is possible when we look into the eyes of God. <clears throat> in the end, the love of an earthly mother is just a signpost on the journey towards our maker. And secondly, we in this building here today have this wonderful, extraordinary privilege and gift of being followers of Jesus. And so we can reach out to one another with deep love and compassion. We can be there to bind each other's wounds, to put our arms around each other, to hold each other, to do the equivalent of making mud from our spit and using it to heal each other. You and I can share mother love with each other, even here today on Mothering Sunday. Last week, Ian spoke to us about mission. Out there, there are people who are restless, desperately searching for the love that can only come from a mothering God. You and I can take that love out of this building. We can provide the shoulder to cry on, the hug that holds and holds and never gives up. Not out of our own resources, but we, because we've recognized our own need, we can recognize that need in others. And together, journey on the pilgrimage to find the love that passes all understanding. And the life of every single person on this earth is a pilgrimage, a journey to find the mothering God who will hold us forever and never let us go. Amen. Let's turn to our prayers of concern. And when I close each bidding with, with this verse that we sang from Psalm 139, safe in your hands all creation is made new. When I say safe in your hands, will you reply, all creation is made new. Safe in your hands, all creation is made new. Loving God, we thank you for all the people who have mothered us throughout our lives, for all who have held us and fed us, cared for us and comforted us, challenged and encouraged us. Thank you, Lord. Safe in your hands, all creation is made new. We pray for the world and its people remembering national and international conflicts for the plight of refugees fleeing war, praying also for victims of natural disasters, remembering especially the people of Turkey and Syria and the impact of the earthquakes. And in a moment of silence, please bring before God the conflicts and injustices that weigh most heavily on your heart at this time. Safe in your hands, all creation is made new. Pray for our local communities of Leith and of Edinburgh, for the commerce, the service industries, the manufacturing, and for the growth of job prospects. Pray also for the welfare needed to protect those who cannot work and the most vulnerable. 
And we pray for the projects that break down barriers of class, of gender, of race and creed, and that serve the common good. Safe in your hands, all creation is made new. Pray for the Church of Christ, for its bishops, priests, chaplains, deacons, for lay ministers working to extend the comfort and good news of the gospel into many and various places. Pray for the whole church, that we may be open to the inclusive purposes and the gracious will of God. Pray that we will not quench or block or try to confine the Holy Spirit. And may God show us how to be part of Christ's mothering love, where there is isolation and sorrow, selfishness, and cruelty. May we be inspired and empowered to be the hands of God in our communities, and may we have eyes to see where God is already present and where the Spirit's creative, joyful, transformative, and mothering love goes before us. Safe in your hands, all creation is made new. Pray for those with no status and no voice, for those that the world labels and discards. We pray for those who feel rejected, for those whom no one chooses to be with, for those who cannot get out. We pray for the sick and the infirm, for those who are abused, and for those who are neglected, young and old. And we pray for those whom we know who are in anguish, sorrow, pain, or suffering. Safe in your hands, all creation is made new. And finally, we pray for those who are bereaved, whose loved ones have passed to a better place, free of pain. And we pray for those who remember the anniversary of their loss at this time. And we pray for those people present who grieve the loss of a mother and for mothers who have lost children. Grant them comfort, healing, and the hope of Christ's resurrection. Safe in your hands, all creation is made new. We bring these and all our prayers to our fathering and mothering God in the name of Jesus Christ. As together, we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever.
we break this bread for our beautiful broken earth that provides so generously for us and call to mind our responsibility to tread lightly in this world so that with wisdom and care we may pursue the blessing of God's creation. We break this bread for those who have none, the starving, the homeless, the refugee. For those who that with passion, struggle and engagement, we may find justice for the poor. We break this bread for broken relationships discord and violence between different groups and people in the breaking of the bread remember our common god-given humanity so that we may work for peace with justice and truth we break this bread for the broken parts of ourselves the wounded child in us all for our broken relationships that we may grow into the wholeness that is in Christ. Holy things for holy people, broken things for broken people. Come, let us receive them. feed us in this sacrament with food and drink of eternal life. Help us who have tasted your goodness to grow in grace in the household of faith and be able to go and share that love 
with others. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the love of God surround you, the passion of Jesus inspire you, and the wisdom of the Spirit guide you, guide your thoughts and actions. Amen. Amen.